Well, welcome once again to The Ray Show, starring me. I'm Ray. Nice to have you listening today. During the past week, I've had a chance to talk to some of my good friends, Sean and Bobby V. Uh, They have a podcast, and I was a guest host on the podcast. And they talk about music, usually heavy metal and punk. But I had a chance to talk to uh, them about some of the artists that I've dealt with in my life, uh, Ray Charles, Mel Tillis, some of the old-time greats. Um, And we talked for an hour about me. A lot of people have asked me to... uh, share a little more details about my life in the music industry. And so I sat down with Bobby V and Sean, and here's what we talked about. You're listening to the Old Guys Talk Metal and Sometimes Punk podcast. 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 You're listening to Old Guys Talk Metal and Sometimes Punk podcast tonight. We have, I'm here with Bobby V, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> and I want to mention that we have Ray Anthony in studio. Absolutely. This is the sound of my voice. Usually we aren't in studio. <laughs> but Ray, longtime friend, great engineer, all time. He's just a great guitar player, all around musician, showed engineer, you, showed person. You, showed you everything you know. Yeah, he taught me everything I know. And he makes guitars too. <laughs> makes his own guitars. How about yes. that? Yeah. Yes, a long and storied past uh, involving working for Fender Guitars. Yep. And pretty much every sound company I could name. Um, Worked with Gary Adrian for a long time. Yeah. And you started at what, the age of 15? At 15. So so what happens when you're a young kid and you start your own band and you buy a PA and then the band takes a shit then you're stuck with the PA. (laughs) Yeah. And then the band next door says, can we use your PA? And I said... No, but I'll rent it to you. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> and a sound engineer was born. <laughs> so what was your first gig doing sound for? What was your first gig? I mean, professional gig. Um, Not the band next door, but professional Sure. Gig. So the first one I got paid a really lot, lot for was... So I started. we started playing bands when we were in high school. And then we started um, traveling around. Then when I was 18, I got the hell out of that cold sub-polar Arctic Midwest and came to... Atlanta. I went to a school called the Music Business Institute where I just I got a degree oh. in music business. Okay. And right out of college I went pow on the road for two years straight mixing bands around the country. So that was my first gigs were I remember the bands. One was called Dazzler. Ooh, Dazzler. One was called <laughs> Trickst Tricky. Tri- Tricky. Not Trickster. Trickster. Uh, and one was called Overnight Sensation. Oh, yeah. That's a horrible name. <laughs> Dazzler. Dazzler's Dazzler. okay. It's okay, yeah, but Overnight Sensation, come on now. Dazzler sounds more like the name of a stripper, but whatever. Dazzler. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So what's the, one of the most memorable shows you did? Ray I mean, Charles. Really? Ray Charles? How's Ray Charles? How was he? How was he to work with? Yeah, yeah, how was he to work with him as a human being? Oh, I got a great... Ray Charles. For I worked with him twice. Okay. The first time I worked with him was at the Sun Devil, a uh, Sun, Sun City Arena in Sun City, Arizona. Right. With a full orchestra. Nice. You have an arena out there. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's fantastic. So yeah. I worked with him a full orchestra, and I was sitting backstage with him in the dressing room, and I said to Ray, "I go, hey Ray, what do you think of the new rap music today?" And Ray. What a great question to ask Ray. Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. And and he says to me, he goes, and he's rocking back and forth like this. He goes, what did he say? He goes, rap music ain't got nothing for me. Ain't no melody. Ain't no Ray. And I was like, oh, I got the gospel right from the man. Right. I thought I got a deep 
drop, you know, I was like, and if you think about it, there really is no melody, not without auto tune. Yeah. And I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> so the next night he was on the Johnny Carson show. Jeepers. And he played a song and he came over to the bench and he sat down on the couch with Ed and Johnny and Johnny looks at Ray Charles and he goes, Hey Ray, what do you think of the new music these days? And Ray goes, ain't no melody, ain't no Ray. That was his, that was his stock his line. thing. His can't hit a button. That's how he answers everybody. I was like, oh. Well, congratulations. Oh, you got a stock line out of him. <laughs> the second time me and Gary worked with him was at the Biltmore. He was at a quintet. And uh, he had a five-piece band plus him on the piano. Guess how many microphones I used? Two. One. On one. his voice. That's it. That was it. The band was so loud on stage, it just wafted into the arena, and we just used one on his vocal. And I was thinking one in the piano and one on his voice. He used, a, key, he used a keyboard. Keyboard. Yeah. Right. Okay. There you go. That was pretty amazing. Uh, I worked with James Brown. James Brown. Charlie Levy was with me in the front row at the Orpheum Theater in Phoenix, Arizona. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Charlie Levy, of course, now famous <sighs> club owner of the Van Buren. And the Crescent Ballroom Crescent in the Valley Ballroom. Right. used to be in Flagstaff at the Green Room. and Right. And then Nita's Hideaway. Nita's Hideaway. Right. Well, God, we go back. Nita's God, the Hideaway. history of Charlie Levy is too deep to even begin to go into. We hey, we just start. saw Charlie the other day. Who'd we go see? Oh, gosh. I don't know. It was Who'd a great show. Oh, Remember? Um, we went to see some folks at... Uh, uh, we went to go see... Uh, uh, the Dandy Warhols. The Dandy Warhols, right. Yeah. That was a great show. Yeah. Right. And we saw Charlie there. Yeah, yeah. We did. It was a fun time. Good times. Dandy Warhols is a great band. If you don't know them, Stoner Rock all the way. Good, yeah, yeah, yeah. Good times. Good great times. band. Yeah. So we were talking earlier, me and Ray, and uh, oh, he you thinks were? Uh, he's got the <laughs> band for um, our theme song. From the Land of the Rising Sun. We're going to get a theme song? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> a little band called Loudness. 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 <laughs> right. Great band in Japan. Why Rock and roll we? crazy nights. Rock and roll crazy And what nights. hair? M what hair? M-Z-A. Awesome hair. You want to hear my loudness story? Of course. <laughs> what else do we got to do on a Saturday <laughs> afternoon? <laughs> so. Wouldn't want to hear it. That's in, why we're here. Yeah. I'm an old guy. And in the old days, there used to be a club on the west side called Rockers. Rockers, dude. Rockers. I belong to the Facebook page of Rockers. I get that stuff all the time. Oh, my. I love it. God, what a shithole. You have a Facebook page? So, um, Loudness was playing. And I was setting up the stage. And the guitar player, Akira had set up six guitar pedals on the stage. And I'm looking at that going, ooh, these guys are great. They didn't speak any English at all. And well, why looking, would they? I mean, I'm looking at the pedals. I'm going, what the hell's that? So during soundcheck, he would hit a pedal and it would go, all right, yeah, we are the rock. And he's hitting the pedals doing it. So he's lip syncing the vocal, but hitting the pedal and it was coming out of his guitar amp. They were sample pedals. Nice. Oh man, I learned a lot that day. <laughs> Did you oh. learn about the dummy stack in those days? Oh, they set up a wall of marshals and they were using a, a Fender Twin and behind all that. And all right. <laughs> you know what the dummy stack is, Bobby? Yes. It's okay. talked about it before, the, yes. The wall about of it. amplifiers. Yeah. Love it. One truck. I need one. One truck just full of uh, 412s. We're going to bring a wall of amplifiers in here. Yeah. We need a wall of amps. Yeah, we yeah. need it in here. In, in we'll the buy studio. them from Ted. We'll I, think from so. Ted I think so. Yeah, why not? We used to do bands at Rockers like uh, Surgical Steel, nice. Icon. Icon. Uh, rip and tear. Night Ranger. Mm, oh, I just I just worked with Night Ranger. So listen to this, Bill. I just did a show with Firehouse, Skid Row, and Night Ranger in downtown Phoenix. Guess who the best band was? None of them. Skid Row. Whoa! Come on, man. Come on, Firehouse. I would have guessed Firehouse. But. Firehouse in Europe 
is one of the biggest selling. They sell out stadiums and they're around the world. They're well loved. Over here, they can't catch a cab. Nobody, right. nobody knows who they are. Right. They're just like, and it's amazing. All the girls I know love Firehouse, and they're wonderful. The singer and the guitar player, and <laughs> all the, the girls I they know do. Love Firehouse. Don't yeah. treat me bad. Don't and treat that's me bad. Firehouse oh, yeah. tattooed on yeah. their buttocks. Chicks, that's <laughs> all she wrote. Chicks love them. Love of a lifetime. Love of a lifetime. Yeah. What's wrong with you? Come on, people. <laughs> <laughs> Over here, they can't even. They can't even get nothing. So. Yeah, so, they, can't even, they can't even pay attention. They're so poor. So uh, Skid Row <laughs> comes on and they blow the roof off the joint. Everyone loved them. Right. And then Night Ranger comes on and the crowd just sitting there looking at them because they're playing stuff off their new album. Nobody knows it. And they're looking at them like, what the fuck? And so they go into Sister Christian. And everyone goes, ah. And then they do, what's the big one? Um, I thought it was Sister what? Christian. No, no. Still Rockin' America. You can still rock in America. And then they did that song and everybody left. <laughs> <laughs> I love everybody, that. Everybody stood up and left. And I'm wow. like, what? It was me and the sound guy standing there looking at it. You're like, what the? Yeah, well, was... Night Ranger's never been known for their... They all left to the Skid Row's tour bus. Yeah. Gone. Yeah. Same thing happened when I mixed UB40 at the casino in San Diego. Ooh. Um, Viejas? Viejas, yeah. That amphitheater? Yeah, I mixed them at Belly Up. Let me take a guess. After Red Red Wine, everybody left. Everett, the place was empty. <laughs> yeah. So listen, listen to this, UB. Same thing happened to here's, me. Here's UB40. So they, the, their sound engineer asshole he brings over this rack from europe that had westlake processors in it mm -hmm. pa is perfectly quiet without it plugs it in hum Ooh, just terrible and he's like get rid of the hum i'm like get rid of the westlake processors and we switched them out the hum went away he goes leave them in whole pa hum the whole night yeah band goes up and plays the audience is just sitting there like a lump nothing because they don't know the music they don't know anything and you know, they started throwing ice cubes at the band. They go, play Red Red Wine, Red Red Wine. The band gets all huffy and the band leaves the stage. Oh, geez, never do that. So a half an hour <laughs> later, the band comes out. They play, play, red, red wine. they play Red Red Wine. The crowd goes ape shit. And then they stopped and the whole entire audience stood up and walked out. Wow. <laughs> they just said, thanks for playing that song. Bye. These are the tales of a sound engineer that, okay, if you don't know, every time you see a concert, there's about... 40 to 60 people that are involved, right? In every show, unloading the trucks, putting the gear on stage, getting the mics put up, doing all this work. It's a big production. 16 you hours. May, you may see four guys, 16 hours, absolutely, if not more. You yeah. may see four guys on stage, but there's a lot of people in the background and they're all out of work right now. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Yeah, so. Not me. Well, I'm just saying. I don't, I don't, I don't, do, th I don't do that anymore. He's done, he's retired. <laughs> he's retired from that. I should have retired after I mixed Ray Charles on a high note, but <laughs> I went on to work with Blue Man Group and Maria Osmond. And, but I have worked. Maria Osmond. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. My last show was Damian Marley. Okay. On the Maria Osmond <laughs> note, yeah. I want to talk a little about a guy called Tony Orlando. Oh, oh just wait, slow, slow down. <laughs> Everybody slow down here. No, right. no. I mean, we got to bring up Tony. We got to talk about this. You mean Mr. Bad Breath? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Oh, you tell me my Tony Orlando story? Yes. Yeah, let's hear it. Tony Orlando, what a piece of work. I got two really great stories for him. So okay. what this clown does. Wait, wait he now does. he's a clown? What this <laughs> so he's he's about 80 and his audience is about 100. Right. So what he does halfway through the show is he makes everybody who's 90 who fought in World War II, he makes mm. them all stand up. He does. And salute the flag. And I'm like, the last thing these guys want to be is remembered as something they did when they were 18, mm. 50 years ago. 
Leave yeah. these old guys alone. They just want to hear tie a yellow ribbon. Go to. He didn't and, sing the Lee Greenwood and then, song, did and then he? go have some tapioca. They don't want to be reminded of that. And and they just proud to be an American. And they might. <laughs> they might break a hip trying to stand up. It's possible. You can't have this. Come on, Tony. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sure war is traumatizing. Oh yeah, and he makes him go through it every show. And I'm like, oh my you know. god! And he you tell him do he doesn't want to do tie the yellow ribbon. He doesn't want to do it. No, he just ble- he just blazes through it in the first set. They do a medley yeah, of medley songs, and he goes. Why does he play red red wine? <laughs> <laughs> he probably does. <laughs> or maybe Sister Christian. I don't know. He might. <laughs> I hear he's looking for work. <laughs> no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something good about Tony Orlando though. Okay. The man does get out there, be it in a sweatsuit. He oh, yeah. does get out there on stage and he does play it. Entertaining. Very entertaining. Can sing. Can still sing. The crowd loves him. Crowd loves him. And that's all I'm going to say. He's, he's got a, a lot of hits. He's an asshole. Whatever happened to Dawn? <laughs> Whatever happened to Dawn? Yeah. What happened to girls? Fired Dawn. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah. the girls are gone. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, he's really that's difficult. That's a shame. So here's how difficult he yeah, is. Yeah, but could you imagine Tony Orlando with a couple 80-year-old chicks up there? <laughs> and I hear you can't, if you do a song with Tony Orlando, you can't touch the board at all. That's right. That's where I was Modern going. Modern board's done, yeah. So. Whenever you do a Tony Orlando show, he's deaf. He can't hear a deaf thing. Deaf is a doornut. Can't. He couldn't. Forget it. It's like a bag of hammers. So we do sound check with his, with his musical director, and everything's fine. And there happens to be a little feedback going through the PA. Yeah, so I, I go to walk over to the mixing console, and Tony stops the show, and he comes running over the mixing console, and he goes, leave it alone. We're fine here. Don't touch anything. So for a week, I basically sat behind the console and did nothing and got paid an incredible amount of money. While for it fed back. While it fed back. So one time, I decided to out-trick him. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever worked with a Yamaha MC7L console, you can yes. turn all of the faders <laughs> into controls for the EQ. Yeah, you can. But just by hitting one button. So I actually, I actually walked up to the board, hit that button, sat about two feet away. And whenever he turned his back on me, I pulled 400 hertz out, I pulled 2K out, I pulled 3.5 out, and the and the hum went away. Mm. And the show went on perfectly. And he's like, wow, this sounded great. How would you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can't hear it. <laughs> I used to have a little sneaker EQ that I would carry in with me in the rack. Yeah. And it, for bands like that. Oh, by the way, uh, the M7CL, you can run on an iPad. You can run the Yamaha software on You it. can. You can do it anywhere. In the, but the, uh, in particular, though, I would just put one in line yeah. on the on the center mix. Yep, so, yep. If it comes down to it, and you have one of those difficult people who don't want you to touch the board, I have a little cheater graphic down That's there. That's the problem, child, right there. Yep. Yeah, and just beep, notch it out because I could I could hear the frequency and knock it out. Oh yeah. Want to hear my Ace Fraley story? Of course we do. What do we? What do we? Why do we? Why we love ask us? We love the space ace. We love the space ace. Sure. And back, we'll go, always willing to get back in the New York groove. So, <laughs> I love guitars. <laughs> I have loved guitars my entire life. I start, who doesn't love Ace Freely? I started playing guitar when I was eight years old. My first guitar was a tennis racket. Really? <laughs> and I used to play... Was it a ping pong? A back in the New York Groove by Ace Frehley off his solo album on right. tennis racket. The only and really, I was good too. really good song that Kiss ever had. And I was good, too. <laughs> to, to give you an idea how good I was, I took that act. We performed when I was 15 as an air band contest... And I dressed up as... Oh. You have a picture? I have a picture of me. What? <laughs> I have a picture of me as Ace Fraley. Holy criminy. That's my real hair right there. Moon boots. Nice. Look that's at that. That's a cardboard. Awesome. That's a card- We have to post that to the Cardboard webpage. Les Paul right there. We're going to have to that's post at, it. I think that's so. at Brown County Arena in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Dude, come on. Did you win? 
No. Uh, who won? Tony Orlando? The who Blues, the blues <laughs> Brothers. The Blues of Brothers. Course, the Blues Brothers. brothers. She yeah. caught the Katie and left the mule to ride. The Blues Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> darn it, darn it, darn it. Damn. I'm still mad about that. So tell us the Space A story. Tell us. A- yeah. Oh, uh, while I was going to college, um, I worked in a recording studio, which was owned by Christopher Cross. Ooh, Chris Cross. And I started on uh, analog tape, two, eight, 27, um, reel to reels. The MCI decks. No. Um, Studer. Studer decks. A27s. Okay. 24 tracks. Had the tape alignment and everything. That's where I learned how to mix in Christopher Cross's studio. It was called Web 4. And I moonlighted at a club called Center Stage. Okay. And Center Stage was amazing because it was kind of like Gibson's in the 90s where they had an eclectic cornucopia of songs. Cornucopia. And artists would, would come through. Uh, I mean, they did comedians like Henny Youngman and Harry Anderson. Um, they did, uh, uh, what's her name? Suzanne Vega um, and Striper. Nice. I, I mixed Striper there. Under God's command. Oh, man. Absolutely. Striper. So to hell with the devil, Sean. So they're all walking around dressed in black <laughs> with hats on. And then they go backstage and they all come out looking like bumblebees. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? Striper. Striper. And by did the, you mix Saga too? I did not. Okay, all right, never mind. Go on. But I worked with Red Rider in Ooh, that in that nice. vein. Ooh. Go so on. so <laughs> Striper comes out dressed as bumblebees, and they were good. You know, I mean, it was rock. It was they, they were, don't get enough credit, Striper. They're actually really good bands. They especially, were really especially good. Michael Sweet, he, he's a great musician. And they were fantastic. They are a great band. And check whatever, it out. Check, check it out. <laughs> nice people. Go figure. Okay, yeah. so tell us. Go on with Ace. Next on Ace Fraley as Fraley's Comet. Fraley's comment, right? Yep. Okay, so they they set up the stage. I mic all of all the I mic his wall of amps with one microphone, and we do sound check, and it's great. He, he and he comes out, and he looks out in the front of the house, and he gives me the thumbs up, and he goes, "I still got it, don't I?" I'm like, "Okay, correct. It's it's the Ace Fraley you show." You think Ace Fraley needs validation? <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> oh, wow. And he, and he was great. He, I, I mixed the show was, at House of Blues. And let's get this straight, he's, people. It was fantastic. Four solo Kiss albums. Best one, Ace, Ace, Freely. Ace Freely. Come on, back of the New York groove. Oh, yeah. Come on, people. Yeah. Second best, maybe Gene Simmons living in the center of the Holiday Inn would share. Maybe. What about Beth? <laughs> Beth's not on there. Best kiss. I thought that was Peter Chris's solo album. <laughs> no. <laughs> it was a big hit for them. No, but it was a, it was a, it was a kiss. But you, wasn't, it, wasn't it Peter Chris singing it? Yeah. Yes, but it was on the solo album. Oh, it wasn't on the solo no. album? No. Oh, do, okay. do you like that song? I'm just saying. Okay. He loves the ballads. Why not? He yeah. loves, he why, loves why, why, wait it. makes them all soft inside. <laughs> <laughs> that, that song, Beth, was one of the very first power ballads out it there. It was. Yeah. It started and, a whole movement. And you know what? They, didn't, they did not want to record Beth. They refused to do it. Right. But instead of doing it, and what happened? It was actually like a B-side. Yeah. And then it's a huge hit. And from there, and from there, we got Sister Christian. That's right. There's your lineage oh, right, right there. There it is. We yep. got it's it. Right from there. Any other, every other pretty much ballad comes from that, from Beth. Wow. In rock or in heavy metal or whatever you want to call it. All right. So, Ray, tell us how many other crazy metal bands and how many times he's, did shit wait, catch on he's fire? He's got a really cool oh. Zach Wilde story, though. Okay, Zach Wilde. Okay, go ahead. I have the recording on cassette. Yep. Ooh. So. Was it, uh, who was it? Zach Wilde? Was it Black Label? or No, it was Zach Wilde. Listen to this. He actually came in and sat in with Racer X with Paul, Paul Gilbert. Gilbert. Yes, Racer X. Awesome. He comes up on stage with a bottle of beer. 
Okay. Throws the bottle of beer on the dance floor, smashes into a million pieces, and he says, "Don't dance there." Fant- I still have the I still have the set list and his board mix. He does. Yeah. He does. One of the things I've done throughout my Why life. Why did he have a don't dance there area? He's broken glass. He smashed a bottle there. Broken That's glass. That's where he puts his beer bottle. Smashed him on the ground. Oh, yeah, okay. He threw it in the ouch. Hmm. So one of the things I've done with all the concerts I've mixed is I take a cassette deck and <laughs> a cassette deck. put a 120-minute cassette in it, put it on record, put it under the console, throw a blanket under it, and let it run. And whatever goes through the board gets to that tape. So I've done that about 300 times, and I have amassed a plethora of cassettes. And it's what I do on my podcast. I have a podcast called The Ratio, and what I do is I play, I play back those cassettes, and I tell a little bit about the show, the band, the venue, the microphones I used. I talk about the musicians and the people, and it's a, it's a pretty cool thing. So the ratio. And of course, no. that's on Spotify. Correct? On Spotify, it's on everything. It's in every platform out there, but the major platforms. So, so check it out. The yeah. way you the way you look that up is the ratio, the ratio. Mm-hmm. That's it. So it's R A T I O, then a space, then the Ray R A Y S H O W. So it's the ratio, the yeah. ratio. A must hear podcast. Fantastic. And I all those bands from the '90s that I mixed: the Gin Blossoms, Dead Hot oh, Workshop, yeah. uh, Stephen Ashbrook, one. Uh, as is uh, Uncle Mike, um, all the bands at Edsel's Attic for all the eight, for all the Arizona people out there. Yeah, thousands of Arizona bands in Tempe, Arizona in the nineties. I mixed so pretty all much Ray's preserving history, musical history, especially in Arizona. I've yeah. been approached by several people now, including the Tempe Musical Instrument Museum, right? Oh. And they want to use some of my tapes in some of their displays, and they want me to be the voice of their display. Have you ever been to the Musical Instrument Museum? I have, yes. When you go there, they give you a set of headphones or they give you a walkie-talkie that you can plug your own headphones in. And when you walk up to a display, it immediately starts playing an MP3 back in your ears of the of the display, if it's a guitar or a piano or anything. And as you go from exhibit to exhibit to exhibit, it changes. Tempe Music Instrument um, Museum wants to do the same thing, and they want me to be the voice Talking about those exhibits. You have a godly voice, right? He does. <laughs> like an announcer voice like in Price is Right or whatever. I always get that. The voice of God. We it call is. it VOG. <laughs> oh God, you devil. All the all the promoters all the promoters hear my voice and they go, Can you do the announcements? I'm like, Oh shit. So I'll usually come up with something funny like a funny uh, advertisement or something. Like uh, one time I really pissed a promoter off. I go, tonight's performance is brought to you by I Can't Believe It's a Tampon. <laughs> That's right. It, it, it's a tampon so comfortable you wish it was that time of the month every single day. I Can't Believe It's a Tampon. And now like, would you please like welcome enough. Ace Fraley. <laughs> nice. Oh, I did that in front of a whole bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> well, they ask you to do it. Why don't you know? You so let's talk about what is being lit on fire. You acknowledged this earlier oh, before yeah. again. Oh, yeah. Tell us some crazy st- stories about what's yeah. going on at some T- of these tell concerts. Tell us about when the, when the, when the uh, roof fell on the drummer. Tell us about oh, when yeah, the... Man. Yeah. So we're doing the show with an older country artist named Mel Tillis. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mel Tillis. And his wonderful daughter named Pam Tillis. She's a country mm. star as well. Oh, um, I, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Ale- allegedly. So um, the... Out here in Arizona, we have these retirement communities, 
Yes, and there's many of them. They have these activity centers where they play bingo and square dances and they do aerobics. And it's uh, it's a great thing. These, these rooms are huge and they also do concerts. Some of them do concert series. And one, com- one uh, place built a stage off of their activity center just for the bands to play. And that's where the band was playing. But they put in a false drop ceiling, you know, one of those acoustical tile ceilings. Sure. And we're doing the show and we see a drop of waterfall in the lights. And we're like, hmm. And it was monsoon season. And we're like, yeah, no problem. And then we saw another drop on that side. And we're like, hmm, that's interesting. And then in the back, we saw a stream of water coming down. <laughs> and we're like, gee, I wonder what that could, what that, and all of a sudden, <laughs> the entire ceiling dropped on top of the band. They looked like somebody hit them in the face with a pie. They were completely covered in, in, uh, in schmutz. Did they play on? <laughs> Listen to this. Mel Tillis was on a riser out in front of the band, never got a drop on him. Wow. He probably didn't even realize it was didn't happening. Didn't even realize it happened. He just turned around and goes, hmm, and then walked off. Unbelievable. That's some bad luck there. Welcome to Arizona. Jeez, how, many, Arizona. how many tons of things caught on fire besides the school bus? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's this wonderful man who I miss dearly. Uh, he started out singing in a band called As Is. Mm-hmm. And he went on to form his own band called Uncle Mike, of course, the great Michael Bailey. Okay. Legendary, fantastic guy. Um, we were doing a show at Hayden Square, and we started playing, and it was going along great and going along great. And the first set ended, and I went on stage to you know adjust some amplifiers and adjust some microphones, and Michael goes to me, uh, oh, your monitor's on fire. And I looked, and sure shit, the monitor was smoking in the front row all the time. And he, I go, when did that happen? He goes, oh, the first song. I'm like, oh, you, you could have told me that the first song? No, that was great for ambience. It was nice fog going in. Right? Oh, God. Unbelievable. <laughs> These guys. Nice. First song. Amplifier. Poof. So I remember a great story with Ray. Um, driving to Telluride in a bus. Ooh. Explosions and fire. Yeah. We're listening to Black Sabbath. Allie and I are passing the whiskey bottle back and forth. We're almost in town. The funnel. And then an explosion happens. Don't Who was driving the bus? When Neil Williams? Uh, Tony Scarcello. <laughs> oh, Tony. That, that explains a lot of things. So if you don't know, the, the engine on these buses is in the middle of the bus below where you sleep. Mm-hmm. Right. So a piston shot through the floorboards and out the roof. And is really? now located in... Somewhere. somewhere. And there was no indication it was going to happen. You just ignored it. It was a very loud noise. Whoa. Big explosion happened. Oil caught on fire on the side of the road. Ka-fucking-boom. Wow. I was drunk, but we walked outside and Ray was shoveling snow no, onto the fire. On, onto the fire. Oh, by the way, you know how the brakes work on a bus? With an air compressor air that's brakes. powered by the engine. So if you lose your air, you lose your brakes. So if you also, the engine exploded. You can't put the engine in gear to stop the transmission because the engine just goes... There's no compression to stop the engine. Terrible. We started sliding down the hill. <laughs> and the tow truck came. Tow truck came. This is oh. just, these are road stories. And the and the the, the, hook. the tow truck came and hooked us and tried to lift the bus up. And the whole back of the tow truck came off and smashed the windshield. Did it? The hook went right through wow. the windshield. Yeah. Right wow, through the windshield. We were crazy. like, well, that's the end of that. We came back six months later. It was parked at the end of the town and hippies. a bunch of hippies living hippies in it. Living <laughs> How cold. It was like a commune. In the we just left it there. <laughs> it wasn't the Manson family, was it? It could have been. <laughs> hey, how cold was that ride back to town in the back of that pickup? Oh, my God. <laughs> I had a jacket on that froze solid when I got back to the hotel. <laughs> that was terrible. Literally like a mummy. 
Oh my God. Oh my God. Come on now. Mummies Incorporated. That was a great tour. We went everywhere. We went Crested Butte and Durango. We went to Telluride. We went to Winter Steamboat. Park. Steamboat Springs. We went to vale. What's that wonderful um, uh, club in Vale? The Clail Clubhouse Vale Theater. It's I can't a, remember. It has it, a round yeah. stage. Yeah, that was a nice one. Yeah. Oh, and Steamboat Springs. The, There's a lot of great clubs in Colorado. The Inferno. Right? Yeah, the Inferno. Yeah. The Inferno. Yep. And then we yep. went up to, did we do uh, Yellowstone, Montana? Uh, it was great. Bozeman. Bozeman, yep. Billings. Billings. I know a girl in Billings. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Hey, girl. One girl in Billings. <laughs> One girl in Billings. <laughs> I was telling him earlier about you going to Chicago, freezing your butt off in Chicago because you didn't oh know any God. better. <laughs> well, because, you know, I, I lived in California at the time. And if you live in California, you don't know what the rest of the world is. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, there's so many people there. You can you can just live there. Yeah. Never leave. But, of course, uh, we were doing shows in, in Chicago. House of Blues tour. They fly us out. We stayed at the Four Seasons right next door. And I was wearing California clothes. High tops, jeans, and a t-shirt. Mm -hmm. like maybe a little... Maybe, maybe he's little, going out for Chicago hot dog. Maybe a little breeze jacket. Right? You know what I mean? Going out for a hot dog. Where Reed you? Stewart and I decided to go... We're like, we're in Chicago. Let's go get a hot dog. Yep. What right? Could, what else could, are we going to do? What could go wrong? <laughs> and remember, people out there, when you're in Chicago, you never put ketchup on a hot dog. <laughs> I don't know. I might have, but uh, oh. all I know is that, oh. how do I know? It hurts me. I don't even remember the hot dog part. It hurts. I was too cold. <laughs> Go ahead. It was like a thousand knives of fire stabbed into my chest. So you hoofed it down at Portillo's or wherever you went. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah. We walked down the street. It was and terrible. you learned your lesson, didn't you? I did. And then days later. Duh, well, windy we, city. Then we were in St. Louis, which was even colder for some reason. Hey, absolutely it is. Freezing. And then a couple days later, we were in Buffalo. And we decided in the middle of the winter that we were going <laughs> to bang the snow, out, we bang the ice out of the wheel wells oh, at no, the car wash. No. And we decided we we're going to drive to go see Niagara Falls. <laughs> that makes perfect sense. And there was bus sized chunks of ice coming off this thing. Yeah. And yeah, that's when we, yeah, we left the, we left the, the, the van behind and flew back home. <laughs> so we were talking earlier about this. I know the big scene in Chicago because we're both from Illinois, Ray and I. I was born in uh, Evanston. Evanston. Ooh, a little suburb near Skokie. Yep. Ooh, Skokie. Right up the road. They talk funny there. They do. We talk funny in Chicago. We talk oh. funny too. So you're telling me about a band, a lot of local bands here in the scene. And there's one band in particular he's talking about, Swooping Monkey Bats. What? <laughs> <laughs> I want to hear about this band, Swooping Monkey Bats. I do too. <laughs> You're going to have to Google this one. Um, so I don't know how it, but I got the 40, they have a 45. They got a 45 out. It's called Legs, Legs, Legs. Nice. Swooping Monkey Bats. I, I bet I could get a thousand bucks for that record right now on the market. Um, <laughs> it's hard to say. There used be to be retirement. <laughs> I remember Sean was telling us in another podcast about when he was a younger kid, they used to have these great clubs around underage scenes, punk bands, rock bands. Yeah. And um, that carried on into the nineties. There were wonderful places in downtown Phoenix that would have rock bands. Um, and there were wonderful places in Tempe too. There was hammerheads and Boston's and the Nile theater wasn't there, but what was it before that? And um, a couple other clubs. Silver you, Dollar, Dooley's. Silver Dollar, Dooley's. They, they used to have Hard Rock Night. It was in the Chewies, too. Chewies. Chewies. Yeah. Became Gibson's later. Chewies yeah, was they more jazz. What about Long yeah. Longs? They Long did, Longs was a rock club. Yeah, yeah, they did rock. Very strange, but dare I say it. These bands would come in. Oh, I forgot to... Uh, it's in the other thing. I have uh, a picture 
of the worst band I've ever heard in my life. Oh, really? The Casper Bratzman Massacre. What in the world? Now, that single might be worth a lot. Have, <laughs> have, you, have, have you ever seen Cheech and Chong up in smoke where he's playing the guitar with the wrench? Yeah. That's what these guys sounded like. Alice Bowie. Yeah, singing in his, <laughs> singing in his uh, something about his pantyhose or stolen pantyhose. When Mama Saka to be traded, tell me I have to live. When they <laughs> when they started, the club was full, and when they ended, it was just me and the band. They drove everybody outside. And as it turns out, Casper Bratzman is a well respected rock band in Europe. Huh. I mean, they sell out stadiums and concerts, and they're they're huge over there. But what about the Swooping Monkey Bats? The Swooping Monkey Bats. They were just this. Think about if you played Eric My Eye by Cheech and Chong backwards. Right. It sounded kind of like that. Huh, yep. The Swooping Monkey Bats. That's the song, Eric My Eye. That's swooping it. Monkey Bats. Yep. I have the 45. We'll wow. get a picture of it. Memory it like a steel trap. <laughs> I remember every band. I remember how many microphones I used on that band. I remember which microphones. And I actually have a plethora of some of the microphones I used to use. And as I was mixing too, I would I remember the patches for all those bands. Right. I, I had an SBX 90. I remember what patch I used for reverb and delay. Oh, I forgot to tell you the greatest story of all the suck button. Oh yeah. Of course. The suck knob. Do you know, what? do you know about the suck button? No, I don't know about it. He's not a sound guy. <laughs> would you like to hear about the yeah, suck button? Yeah, of course. You don't know not? about the suck button? Why Come would on, I? Beg me. Come on. Beg right. me. <laughs> I won't beg, but I'll hear it. So here's the story of the suck button. I've always button. known it as the suck knob, but okay. The suck knob. Here's how it works. <laughs> When you have a microphone on stage, mm -hmm. it, it gets sent out to the console, it's hooked up to a preamp, and then it's hooked up to a fader and it comes out the PA system. And then there's an insert, you can interrupt that path and put whatever you want into it, a compressor, an equalizer, an effect. In this case, I had an Ibanez harmonizer. Nice. Very nice. Awful piece of gear. Yeah, that analog one? Yeah. Yeah. With, with all the, the multicolored knobs. Yeah. 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 Right. Sounded awful. But. <laughs> Here's never mess with a smart person. I will rewire your girlfriend's vibrator and shock the hell out of you next time you touch it. <laughs> nice. So here's how you, the suck button comes in. So if you work with a singer who's an asshole, here's right. what you do. You take that signal and you split it. One signal goes to the mains and that you take that other signal into the harmonizer. You go out of the harmonizer back to his monitor oh, set. Nice. And then you set the harmonizer to be just 50% quarter step quarter down. Step down. So whenever you sing in pitch, ah, ah, the harmonizer sends it back to you. Ah, comes, back to <laughs> comes back a half a pitch, just flat. Yeah, nice. Or sharp. So they hear it back to themselves flat. Oh, okay. So what do you do? Do you have, do you know about singing and can you, can you sing it all or anything? Oh, this guy's yeah. a great singer. Yeah. yeah. So when you sing, do you listen to your head voice and you have your ears and you listen to monitors? You're taking in multi, yeah. uh, multi strata stuff coming in. And when you hear something flat, what do you do? You immediately try and pitch correct in your head. You try and go, if you're flat, you try and correct for that. So now all night you're singing flat or sharp because yep. I'm sending you back the sure. monstrous suck knob. Okay, so I always understood the suck knob as just reverb. Um, it's the, the, that's another word for, um, uh, the pretty knob, the pretty knob. Okay. So if a band sucks, you just add a little reverb. That's right. That's your, let's make them sound like they're in a Canyon. Make them sound bigger. Yeah. So Somehow. you made the swooping monkey bed sound better, huh? Oh yes. And I had two <laughs> signs. I had two signs always on my consoles. Then my number one favorite sign of all time that I used to put on my console was I'm the light guy. 
<laughs> I am the light so guy. So one day I'm mixing a show, and it sounds, the band on stage is horrible, but it sounds accurate. It's what they're doing on stage. Right. <laughs> and a guy stands up in the audience, and he's huffing and puffing, and he's walking over. And I look at him, I go, this guy looks like he's going to give me a piece of his mind on what it's supposed to sound like. Oh, I hate those people. And he comes huffing and puffing, and he comes <laughs> over to the console, and he looks down and says, I'm the light guy. And he goes, shit. And he walks all the way back to his seat. I'm like, yes, <laughs> the sign works. And the other sign I always put on my consoles, it's, it, it sounds great where I'm sitting. Yeah. You guys said I get that a lot. Those drunken people trying always. to tell you how you do your business. Oh, always. Yeah. They've always, they always own a Mackie too. The, the glasses and the pocket protectors are going to come up and, oh, I got a system at my house over here. I'm using a crossover 77 decibels. <laughs> <laughs> my Mackie sounds better than this. I've got internal, great internal. I can't hear the vocals. <laughs> <laughs> it's always I can't hear the vocals. Neither can I. <laughs> You're right. I've mixed, I've mixed a, a large amount of my career in churches. And a lot of the churches, the background singers are people who pay money to go to the church, the tithe, and they go to rehearsals and they think they can sing. So one day I'm mixing in church Oh God! and a little lady comes up to me and she goes, uh, I, that's my granddaughter singing. I can't hear her sing. So I go, well, I'll show you something. So I PFL, I punch up her channel and I hand the headphones to the old grandma and I said, here, listen to this. And Oh, it sounded like a cat in a blender. <laughs> and she gave me the headphones back and she goes, thank you. And she went and sat down. I'm like, okay, you have a good day. God be with you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. <laughs> These are sound guy stories of old. Tell us about Static X. Static X. Me and Gary did them at the X Games. Wow. Uh, just, uh, it was on the site of the old Rio Salado. They tore it down and it was a giant empty field and we built a stadium there and we did the X games. We did uh, static X Voivod mantra, uh, back when the Voivod. X games, yeah. back when the X games first started, <clears throat> all of the bands were like these power, aggressive power man, 2000 Ramstein Voivod, this, you know, like, uh, the, Mad Max, the Road Warrior, right? The guy yep. playing the guitar with yeah. the flamethrower was yep. kind of music just like that. <laughs> so this guy had this keyboard that was mount. You ever seen a an old time um, park where they had the duck and the thing on giant springs that you could rock back and forth on? Yeah, yeah. They look like car springs. Yeah, sure, yeah I'll, right. I'll say sure just because. Yeah. Well, anyway, this guy had a keyboard stand on one of those. Okay, right, right. And he would rock that keyboard stand around. It would rock around. It would oh, chase it all over the stage. You know, else had keyboard like that was the Billy Idol guy. It's where his keyboard would tip around? Yeah, well, because he plays Keyboard first, would tip around? He plays them we'll downward. He plays them downward, so he's playing them like, he's playing them like this, like two sideways keyboards. Yeah, yeah. And he's got them on springs like that. I've seen that. Yeah. You know the, the, tar, the keyboard player for uh, Rammstein? Uh, he uh, plays the whole show on a treadmill. He walks in the treadmill and plays the whole show with the keyboards on the treadmill. <laughs> he does? <laughs> yeah, sideways. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's part it's of the show. Full of energy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Molly Hatchet. You get a Molly Hatchet what? story. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I am a lucky man. Molly Hatchet. Molly, yeah, man. Molly Hatchet. So uh, What a great band. Well, I'm traveling down the road. Flirting with disaster, my friends. Flirting. So I had the pleasure of working with Molly Hatchet at a little club called Fiddlesticks in Fiddlesticks. I remember Flagstaff, that. Flagstaff, Arizona. Yeah. Right. And sorry about that, I'm off mic. Um so I got there, and these guys are drunken idiots. Sure. Right? Leave it there. It's fine. And 
their singer is old, and these guys are good old boys. Was it Danny Ray Brown? I can't remember. I think that was the singer from Molly Hatchet. But yeah, okay. I'll look it up in a sec. So I get there, and they're just, you know, road hard and hung up wet. It looked like Willie Nelson. Road hard and hung up wet. <laughs> like Willie Nelson. <laughs> looked like Willie Nelson on a bad day. And they all get off the bus, and they come in, and their roadies all do sound check, and we get a good. So the lead singer comes out. And he starts singing, and he gets about maybe two-thirds of the way through the song. Well, I'm traveling down. <laughs> you guys sing. And he did that for an hour. Every song he'd play, he'd sing one line and then let the audience sing. Wow. But, but here's the input list, the stage plot, their set list. Here's where they were tonight. Here's where they're going. Here's birthdays. Here's everything. Here's everything from Molly Hatchet right there. It's pretty funny to remind the band where they were last night. Yeah. Oh, dude. Let me tell <laughs> you about this. They were in Milwaukee. They were in Milwaukee before this. So we used to do this uh, when I was working at Coors Amphitheater, and occasionally we would pull jokes on these people. Oh, yeah. And we'd put the wrong city name. Yeah. Hello, yeah, Cleveland. No, it's great. Literally, like, because on their, right in front of their floor monitor is the name of the city. Where you're at. Where you're at. So you can thank the people of Chula Vista, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. Yeah. Right. So you know what I mean? Or San Diego. Yeah. So we'd put like Albuquerque <laughs> on there. <laughs> Just to try to catch them. They didn't even know what state they were in. Oh, uh, we're kidders. And I want to say, uh, let's see, Hank Williams 2. Yeah. I worked the, with three. I worked with two. I'm the sorry. Dr the drunkest man I ever met. I'm sorry. Except for Vincente Fernandez, <laughs> who was the drunkest I've ever met. <laughs> Absolutely, Vincente Fernandez, who shoots guns off on stage. Hello. I worked yeah. with Paul Revere and the Raiders. They They're, shoot guns off, too. Yeah. Loud. So, they use uh, uh, black cap uh, uh, blunderbusses. Right. Cub. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> Hank Williams Jr. comes out, not the third, but Jr. And we literally had to gaff tape and neon tape arrows Hank. all the way <laughs> to his monitor where he stood. Yeah. And was loaded in his in his bus all day until finally it was like, come on, you got to play. And he walks up there and he's, you know, he's are you talking about Bo Cephas? Yeah, that's him. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got to walk on a neon taped line yeah. through the backstage, up to the stage, up to his monitor until he finds where he is. And he's just, there he is. There he is. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. yeah. Hank Williams, the third, totally different story. Oh, he was cool. Um, tall, skinny, loud, jangly guitar. Fantastic. Great. Yeah, Almost punk. It's very proto-punk. I really like what he does. Almost punk. Yeah. Absolutely. Any other weird, crazy stories, Ray? Come on, I know you got one more. You always get an Ario Speedwagon story. Oh, you my God. Ario Speedwagon. <laughs> Sean's got a beef with Ario. So one of I know I do, even though Gary loves him. So, you can tune a piano, but you can't tune a fish. So one of your previous guests, my good friend Gary Adrian, who yes. I've known, yes. who was the first uh, sound engineer I met when I came here in 1988. I met him at Hayden Square, and he hired me, and we... We've been friends ever since. Right. We were hired one day to do the fireworks display in Sun City. Oh, God help us. And guess who they had play? Ario Speedwagon. Right. Guess where it was on? A blacktop parking lot in oh the middle God. of July. Oh, beautiful. In Arizona. What could go wrong? Nothing. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> so we were using really large, heavy cabinets back then. PAS and, cabinets? Or um, I think they were uh, EAWs. Oh, God very heavy. And we built <laughs> platforms, what are called stage platforms or stage decks, and we put the PA on stages, uh, and then we built a stage for the band, and they came out, and we did sound check it, and everything's fine. What could go wrong? 
as they're playing, I'm looking at the left side of the stack starts to lean. It was so hot that the risers were melting into the blacktop and the, and the, the deck was falling and the, and the PA was leaning over this way. All hell broke. So we, we went and grabbed every strap, every rope, every piece of thing. And we started, we tied everything up and strapped everything down. And it was the leaning tower of Pisa. <laughs> we thought we were going to, I mean, if that thing went into the crowd, holy shit. And how many times have you met dumb sound guys that do dumb things and you're just the hand on the show and you can't do anything to change it? Many. Many. Um, I usually leave myself a couple of outs. Um, and here's, here's how we leave a couple of outs. Leave the car running. Well, that's a good one too. But here's a little secret for all you wannabe sound guys. All your amplifiers, the highs, the mids, and the lows are separate amplifiers. When you run them all the way wide open, you have nowhere to go. So if you have a bad sound guy, I can actually go back as a systems tech and turn the subs up or turn the mids down and turn the highs up. Sure, if you can't have, if if you I don't can't have access, access to the, to the console, yeah, right, I can crossover. adjust your mix and make it sound proper without, any, without you knowing it and without ruffling any feathers. I've, sure. got, I've got lots of secrets like that to have a good show for the people as opposed to running up and putting my foot in your ass and saying... Turn up the vocal, jackass. You know, I'd rather I'd, I'd rather rather match go bump the mids a little bit, then, right? Then the guitar, the snare, and the vocal come out, and no harm, no foul. All right. So, do you have any do you have any uh, any suggestions for a young band coming out? What to expect from a sound guy when you're going to a club the first night? What to ask for? What to do? Sure. The number one rule of the music industry is don't piss off the sound guy. <laughs> And that's good advice. I want that to be the... the, the ha- How many times have you had beer bottles thrown at you by the band? <laughs> oh, man, too many. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to piss off the sound guy. What you want to do is you want to just... You want to think positive and you want to take, for example, take for granted that he's a good sound engineer. You will find out very quickly if he's not. Mm-hmm. What you want to do is you start on a positive plane and just assume that he's good. And anyone who's not a good sound engineer will be evident immediately. immediately. <laughs> you will know. You will know. You will know immediately if you're dealing with a clown or a clown prince like right. me. Like me. There you go. So treat him. Treat him good. Remember, he is your connection to the, the future. Yeah. When I'm a sound engineer, when I'm on stage, and I'm, I want to be. I want the PA system to be invisible. I want you to be so comfortable as an artist. That you forget that a PA is there. Don't notice it. That they sound great. You can hear yourself and you can be free flowing in your artist's zone. And how many times have you noticed that there's a bad artist or an artist on stage that blames the monitor guy immediately every time they start to have an emotional disconnect with the audience? Paul Diano. Immediate. (laughs) (laughs) They have an immediate disconnect with the audience and they just look at you. And then you're you're their scapegoat. Because here's why they jump on the monitor guy, because you're not traveling with them. You're a dispendable fly on the wall that they can swat and bat around and not care about. Yeah. So I've got to, you know, take that into consideration. And you've done enough monitors to know. We just sit there and take it. You're like, I'm not going to have... You deal with it. Yeah. Rolls right off you. Rolls right off after a while. You get thick skin. Yeah. Very thick skin. All right. So Ray Anthony. Mm. Thank you, sir. Favorite guitar player? Oh, okay. Let's go there. Oh, we can go there. Sure. Go there. Bob, go there. Favorite guitar player? Uh, Django Reinhardt. Yeah. How about four more? Uh, (laughs) The greatest guitar player in the history of the world is Django Reinhardt. Okay. Why is that? Um... I don't know if you know who he is, but he was a 30s, 40s, and 50s uh, jazz 
gypsy style guitar player. He was, his hand was injured in a fire and he only had two fingers on his hand. Which one? Uh, his, his left hand. Okay. And he could still play better than 99% of the guitar players in the world. Uh, one of my favorites, a lot of people agree. And why shouldn't they? <laughs> right. We uh, are the experts. Martin, and then next, next it's all opinions. So in my opinion, the next greatest guitar player is Eric Johnson. Okay. Um, world renowned tone stylist. And uh, my third favorite guitar player is me. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought I was Michael Nitro there for a second. Oh, <laughs> the plot thickens. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know we were going to mention Michael Nitro tonight. Of course we do. Every show he comes out. No, that's Nitro. Michael Angelo. To this day. Michael, there's Nitro. Michael this, Nitro is a local guy. To this day. Yeah. When oh, this, oh, I know. You know Michael Nitro. Uh, to this day, when me and Gary do shows and someone has a, a singer has a fan in front of their monitor, we call that a Michael Nitro fan. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yes, he has his hair blown back when gotta he's playing. Got to have it black. Gotta so have. when did you first start building guitars? And then you oh. do that as well. Oh, that's good. I've been building guitars for quite a while. The reason why I build guitars is I grew up a small in a small town in northern Wisconsin on a farm. And when you live in a farm, you have nothing. Sure. And you see something. And if you have uh, engaging parents, they'll say, well, let's make it. If you need a table, we'll make a table. If you need uh, something, you build it. Overalls? You can. Uh, there was a lot of <laughs> textile. Those women can sew like the wind. <laughs> <laughs> so as you grow up, you're like, I want a guitar. Well, let's make you one. Brian May, right there. Right. So I made guitars, and they were all crap. And then as you get a hold of a real guitar, you can copy it. So I would be copying guitars like Strats and Tellys and Les Pauls. And then I started... Um, talking to musicians and I'd always go, um, if you had any guitar in the world, if you, what's your dream guitar? Would it be like a Strat with a Floyd on it? Or would it be a Les Paul and flame maple or something? And it would always be something like that. And it's always something you can do. So I, my, a lot of my guitar building is for clients who want something that's not readily available on the rack. They want a little change. They want a modern Strat with a fifties neck or a fifties body with a modern neck, or they want some special electronics pickups uh, some special bridges and something that they've sure. always wanted. So that's what I do. Hmm. And I don't have a website or anything. It's all word of mouth. I'll talk to somebody. Uh, I'll meet people all the time in the music industry and, and I'll show them a picture of a guitar. Like I just, did you see my two new guitars? You didn't see my new ones, did you? I've seen most of your guitars. I just got, I, I just sold my BMW for a shitload of money and I bought two new guitars instead of a new car. <laughs> That's a good quality purchase, my friends. So here's the neck, the one I just built. This is a D'Angelico New Yorker XL, big Ooh. jazz box, sexy. And the other one I got is a Paul Reed Smith with a zebra stripe body. Ooh, look at that. Ooh, Paul Reed Smith. I think I got a buyer for that one. No, it's not for sale. It's mine. Oh, okay, it's mine. <laughs> John, I never sell guitars. I have about. At, at one time, what I and we you, never do, did, you do have way too many guitars. <laughs> Every time he comes <laughs> over, I got. I used to work at Fender, and at one time, I had forty or fifty guitars. At one time, wow! And my record is a hundred. <laughs> Jeepers! So now I have ten to fifteen, but they're all really nice. So I, I've I've thinned the herd quite a bit. So what's the difference between a, a luthier and a guitar maker? Um, a luthier is a guy who can take a tree and turn it into a guitar. Okay. <laughs> Good. A guitar maker is someone who's going to mass produce guitars like Fender and 
Les Paul and right. Gibson and things. those are mass producers, guitar right. makers. So you'd say like a, a custom car builder, somebody exactly. building it from the from scratch. Exactly. And, a, and, a, and that'd be like a luthier. And a, a guitar maker is somebody who can put this engine in that thing and do this right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. So let's say you're going on the G3 tour. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Ray, what's your ultimate guitar rig setup? Oh, that's easy. It is? Not for me. So... <laughs> I'm I, my friend Gary Adrian, who's a very smart man, by the way. You have extremely intelligent. You have no idea how smart this guy is. Hopefully, he'll come out of the house everything. one of these days. He has a microphone in his studio mm-hmm. made by. Sh- t- 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 I'll think of it in a second. Staten or Staten? no? Uh, sh- uh, anyway, I'll think of it in a second. But it's a digital microphone hooked up to a computer that you can make sound like any microphone in the world. Really? Slate. 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 Slate is the name. Yes. And it can sound like a 57, it can sound like a U87, it can yep. sound like a TLM 105, it can sound like a, a KSM 180, it can sound like a D, D12. And for those of you who don't know what those are, microphones are like bottles of wine. Paintbrushes. Paintbrushes. Remember, I'm an artist. So the things that I use, the guitar, the pedal, the microphone, these are all things I use to paint the color of the picture. Right. So he has this microphone, I'm getting to your guitar. So he has this microphone that can sound like any microphone in the world. What I want is a mic is a guitar that can sound like all the other guitars, but I don't have to switch guitars all the time. Mm. And I have several of these. Line six makes one. Roland makes a MIDI pickup. I was going to say Roland makes the, one. Yeah. Uh, KT88 and the Roland VG systems. Mm-hmm. You can make it sound like a pipe organ. You can make it sound like a, a Strat through a Marshall. Sure. Those, um, and it also depends on the kind of music I'm playing. If I'm in a pop variety band, I have to have a cornucopia of sounds. So you aren't just going to use a Hondo with a bunch of plugins? Correct. But if I'm in a rock band, all I need is a Les Paul and a Marshall. Right. If I'm in a country band, dude, it's a telly through a Fender. Sure. You know, that's all I need. So it just depends on, if I'm in a, if I want my rig to be versatile, I would want products that are versatile, like some of these pedal boards, the Axe Effects, the Helix, the Headroom, um, these massive pedals. Vox makes a great SE pedal that has every sound in the world in it. Those are really great. Or the Kempner. The Kempner, Kempners are, are what are called modeling amplifiers. Those are the amps that Queensryche uses. Yeah. Yeah, Kemper. they have no amps on stage. Yep, they're great. Just Kempers. Yeah, no more stack of Marshalls. Just bring a box, None. put it under your arm, go on. Just the, them in a drum set. And you can never lose it because it's under your arm on the airplane. Right, there is that. That's a good thing. What's well, this good wine? Where'd you get this? Mm. <laughs> it's made by Gatorade. <laughs> what, what, does that, what does that say? Mad Dog 2020 on there? It's it is it's called Boone's Farm. It is 150 outside. It so, is 150. So what's your outside. favorite flavor of Boone's Farm, by the way? Boone's Farm? There's only one. Strawberry Hill. Oh, I've, I tried to get out of my mind. You know, I, I, I've got too many bad stories of Boone's Farm. Wasn't there like an orange one? No, <laughs> no. no that's what comes only, out. You only get one. That's yeah, what comes, comes out. out. Country Lady. quencher. Country yeah. quencher. That's what comes out. The not a good idea out. to drink that in the hairs and the heat. It's not a good idea. <laughs> yeah. It's horrible, it does horrible, get, horrible, It does get a little dizzying. Absolutely. It's horrible. Oh, yeah. All right. So, Ray Anthony. Yeah. We want to thank you for being on the Old Guys Talk Metal and Sometimes Punk podcast so much. You have been oh so welcoming, and I've had such a wonderful time talking about me. <laughs> well, that's that's why you're about. here. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the reason why we do this show is because we try to bring in- industry professionals, industry insiders, musicians, 
be they horn players, flute players, guitar players, yeah. bass players, drummers. Yep. Sound guys. People from all aspects traveling of the sound industry. guys. Yeah. Uh, Stagehands. Merchandisers. Everything. Merchandising people, uh, production managers, stage managers, all the people in the industry and bring it to the forefront because yeah. there's so much of this that's involved in the music scene. And we just want to bring that all out. And that's why we do this show. With so, some good stories. So yeah, always the best stories. Absolutely. We're really glad to have you on the show. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you for being here once again. Peace and love, my brothers. Ladies and gentlemen, Ray yeah. Anthony. <laughs>